Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So this last couple of weeks have seen a couple of interesting sort of like, I don't know, relatively substantial changes in our uh, sort of the things that you and I are, are interested in or relate to our business. And I thought there were two of them in particular that stood out to me as things that were worth talking about. And it's specifically, it's app transparency tracking or app tracking transparency, ATT, yep. <laughs> and um, Apple's new podcasting sort of overhaul initiative. And there was sort of a commonality between those two things that I think just it, it just sort of stuck with me this week. And specifically, it's that I think app tracking transparency, um, which is this, in case you don't know, in iOS 14.5, which just rolled out um, a few days ago, um, Apple's changing the way that the sort of essentially the rules around advertising and tracking within an application are applied. And so that you cannot sort of essentially commingle any um, data about a user between multiple sources. Um, you can do sort of first party tracking potentially, but you can't share it. And so this comes into play most often for advertising, where if you had a situation, say an app install ad, where you're in Facebook, you see an ad for an application, you tap on it, and then in the you know, it's just, they go to the app store, they download the app, they open it up, and you can attribute that you know that that install to that ad very specifically, um, and that's something that they Apple provides some amount of support with with their SK ad network thing, but generally they're restricting and changing that. Um, and then on the other side, you have the changes around podcasting and podcast subscriptions. And while sort of in the process of rolling out Apple's new podcast subscription system, they seem to have changed or at least now provided a mechanism by which it is possible for organizations to be a sort of a list, have a podcast listed in iTunes, but listed in such a, in, sorry, in iTunes, in Apple podcasts, um, but listed there in such a way that doesn't sort of share the public feed for that podcast um, more generally. And so this is something that I know you use and many uh, third party podcast clients use to sort of essentially use the app, Apple podcasts directory as an authoritative public directory, which has lots of benefits in terms of they do, you know, sort of quality assurance and filtering on people who submit to the, the, the Apple podcast directory to make sure that they're appropriate, not doing things that are illegal or problematic. And it can be relatively sort of viewed as an authoritative reference. And they're changing that so that now shows can optionally essentially not participate in that public directory um, sort of feature that Apple has provided for years. And in both of these cases, the thing that really struck me, and I think they both have, both of these things have fairly substantial impacts on us in terms of if Apple ends up, if many shows end up sort of signing out or declining being in Apple's directory, that'll affect you a lot with your overcast directory. And ATT um, affects me in so far as you know, a lot of my revenue in my applications is coming from advertising. And it's a bit too early to say, but I think it's very likely that there will be a substantial short-term drop in my revenue um, for the next few months while people work out what they're going to do. My hope is that eventually it'll kind of settle back up to where it was, but who knows? Like there's this very seismic change in, in my business. And what's strange in some ways, it's like you and I are the, like the small little fish in this giant ocean that are being affected by the waves caused by like two giant sharks fighting. Like we're these little minnows swimming along and then there's these big sharks fighting. And it's like in ATT case, it is Facebook and Apple, I think, who are the two that are sort of at ends, sort of sort of at ends about this, where I think Apple probably sees that 
you know, the bulk of app install uh, marketing seems like is being driven by Facebook. As far as I can tell, like, and I've been spending a lot of time in a world that I'm not particularly familiar with, which is the like UA, which apparently is the user user acquisition world. Um, it's the, the, by far the best tool, as far as I can tell, for people would say is the Facebook tool, where it's this very kind of mechanized system of getting people to download your app and you have deeply integrate with the Facebook SDK. And so it provides metrics back on how valuable the customer is to you. And so you can essentially end up in a world where Facebook can tell you this user is going to be worth a dollar to you. I can show your ad for, you know, 90 cents. And so you'll make 10 cents on each user. And so if that's the case and you have very high confidence of that, we may as well dial that up, you know, as much as you can. Um, and, but I think Apple doesn't like that at a certain point they're losing control of you know, app acquisition, which you previously had been guarded by the app store. And so they're having this kind of argument about, um, you know, essentially who should control that. And ATT is one of the, the results, but it has a big impact on me. And I think the podcasting side, this introduction of the, you know, optional public URL thing, it's like, I think Apple is, I could imagine very much in the same place of feeling like them and they and Spotify are now competitors in the podcasting space. And, you know, Apple providing things that are kind of more altruistic or sort of just generally public goods um, may become be probably slightly more problematic because they and Spotify are now competing for who's going to be the dominant player in podcasting, who's going to have control of that, who's going to be the one there. And for all I know, this public URL thing is a result of, you know, someone like NPR or National Public Media or some large organization that says they don't want to, you know, see this control to Apple or they want to, you know, it's like there's all kinds of strategic things you could imagine where these large organizations are having these arguments. And the result is a checkbox in Podcast Connect or whatever it's called that now can have this profound impact on you. And I think this is just one of these things that I'm you know, over the course of my indie career, I've, it's happened several times where you have to, hey, I think there's just the question of accepting that this is what, sometimes what happens and, you know, sort of that we don't have control or a seat at the table for some of these situations that affect us profoundly. Um, and some of these things will just happen to us and we're just like, okay, well, let's just roll with it as best we can. But it's also, it's like, sometimes it's just rough and it's just tough. And it's like, I've been seeing you talk about sort of this impact on Overcast and how it's, what's you know, for the things and changes that you have to do and roll from it. And I just kind of feel for you because it's like, it's not your fight. It's not nothing to do with you, but you, you know, you're, it's not, it's, you're affected by it nevertheless. Yeah. I feel like, like this reminds me a lot of back, geez, probably 10 years ago now. It was a while ago. Um, when we started seeing the mostly widespread disappearance of useful public APIs to web services. You know, a lot of us, for example, um, were building apps and things and other utilities on the Twitter API. And the Twitter API uh, was, you know, ran fine for years. Um, but then it started to become, I would say, strategically uh, costly to them, or at least, or possibly even strategically abused by, by their competitors. Um, one of the greatest examples, and I think one of the things that really made them shut it down quickly, um, was when Instagram launched one of the fastest contributors to its early growth was that you could basically import your Twitter social graph. And it was one of those like, find your friends on Twitter now on Instagram kind of things. And Instagram grew so quickly from that and so successfully. And they, and they so like successfully basically took Twitter's social graph and built theirs on top of it. Um, that Twitter very soon after that 
started really locking down their API and, and shutting it down. And, and they cut Instagram off <laughs> from that feature. Uh, and, and, and that was an early example of like these two big companies, you know, Twitter, Instagram, and then later, you know, when Facebook bought them, they continued to fight, to fight in other different ways. Um, and so all the, all the ways that Twitter locked down their API back then uh, or changed the terms or whatever else, they were doing it to prevent people like Facebook from taking advantage of them. But it impacted all the small developers, too, who were using that same API for things that Twitter normally would be, you know, it, it would be too small for Twitter to even care about. Um, but that, like, these two giants fighting kind of wrecked that world. Um, and and we saw, like, you know, the great, the great like, Web 2.0 trend of all the public services, or all the big services having public APIs that you could, you know, write cool things against. We saw that trend come to an end as these companies all got bigger and and realized that, oh, we're better off, like, keeping the keys to our kingdom ourselves, and if we're going to have an api it'll be very limited and you know only give people like these kind of accessory purposes that we don't plan to do ourselves but not give away like the core product as api access um and and so i, I think you see a lot of that with the certainly with the new podcast changes um you know it's it's frustrating you know, the, the app tracking transparency thing I, I think is multifaceted you know that is Apple trying to preserve privacy, but they also have a monetary incentive to do so. And so it's it's a little uncomfortable because when when Apple execs talk about how they want to protect people's privacy and, and limit tracking and everything, I believe them. Like, I believe they truly do believe that. And that is a major reason to do this. But it's uncomfortable that Apple also financially gains from limits they place on this. I think it's it's absolutely true. You mentioned a, little, a few minutes ago. You mentioned that like the the Facebook uh, system and network of like app install ads and everything largely has taken over distribution control from the App Store, and Apple really doesn't like that. Apple also tried to build their own thing, App, app Store search ads, which I funnel lots of money into. Kind of a, a, a scary amount that I shouldn't ever really look at the total for. Um, sure, <laughs> but and and the reason why Apple made App Store search ads was in part to address you know, that demand, but also because Apple is now the company that like, <laughs> there was this quote a long time ago. I forget, I forget where it was from about Bill Gates. And it was like, it was like somebody's mother describing Bill Gates and as like the kind of person who would come to your house for dinner and say, I'll take all the potatoes. Thank you. And that's becoming Apple. Now Apple wants a piece of every single market that they have any control over whatsoever through the funnel of iOS and App Store and at purchase policy. They want all the money from all the industries and all the apps, and they will not be satisfied until they get it. And they seem completely uh, maybe blind to the problems of antitrust pressure and everything that result from this. Um, but regardless, when Apple sees an area where someone else is making money in the App Store and they're not getting their cut, they move into that area in a big way so they can get their cut. And that's really destructive and, and it's a really bad look and they don't even need the money that badly. You know, like, like destroying some industry, you know, for them to make 0.1% more revenue is, is also not a great look. And so the app tracking, tra- tracking transparency stuff definitely falls into this to some degree. Um, you know, they, they really don't want other ad networks and other big data brokers like Facebook making all this money on this app install channel that's not running through Apple. But they also want to clamp down on all the other crappy ad providers that are in a billion, you know, 
crappy apps and crappy games and and you know snuck into like weather apps and stuff to for, to sell your location and everything like there are legitimate privacy concerns to what they're doing as well so that one is i think a little less cut and dry the podcast thing though i i feel really just sour about that because what they so so the, you know the two changes they made number one they launched a subscription podcast uh payment option in the app that basically works just like the App Store, but for your podcast. So Apple takes 30% for the first year, 15% for sub- subsequent years of, of subscriptions. Uh, and and, and they, they did this, obviously, with in-app purchase. And if any other app wants to do that, we can't without giving Apple 30% which means we have to either offer podcasters a much worse deal like cuz you know cuz Apple keeps 30% and then well, we have to give them 30% so then we can maybe only give podcasters you know 50% after we take 20 for ourselves to run the whole thing uh or we have to take nothing ourselves and run this whole program with no money which is kind of impossible cuz this kind of program requires a lot of administration so they they create they, they've now created this additional market for like paid directly into apps podcast services that we literally can't compete with them on because of their their own app store policy and they know it and they did this to compete with spotify really that's like spotify is like their big bad enemy because spotify is making a bunch of money that apple wants but it, it also affects everyone else who's making a podcast app because now there's this expectation now that the two biggest podcast apps are going to have these paid options for for publishers to to sell podcasts as to sell premium podcasts right in the apps now every smaller app can't compete and it's because these two big companies, as you were saying, like these two big sharks are fighting with each other, trying to take, you know, bigger portions of each other's money, while the rest of us smaller players in the game are just kind of getting hit by the flag here. Um, the other problem, again, was the, uh, as you mentioned, the the whole iTunes API, which like every podcast app has been built on for, for <laughs> forever, basically, except like a few of the very biggest ones that were exceptions. But for the most part, uh, almost every podcast app that most people listening to this will have heard of uh, queries the iTunes API for directory uh, and and filtering, and it's important, you know, because not only does it keep out things like you know low quality search results, things like you know spam and illegal copies of other people's podcasts, but it also prevents us from having to deal with things like illegal content. You know, certain content is illegal in certain countries. Uh, hate speech is illegal or at least in very poor taste almost anywhere um things like pornography that that might show in the artwork of podcasts like there's all these problems that we don't have to deal with if we use apple's api and apple has maintained that api you know kind of like hands off basically and and kind of quietly allowed us to all use it for i think 15 years 16 years something like that so it is really disappointing when that changes and that seems to be the result of like literally I think it was mostly the result of pressure from one podcast network. That was what prompted that change. <laughs> and again, it's like some some company complains to Apple that their needs aren't being met by Apple's solution. So Apple, you know, company to company kind of makes this thing and and now it screws all the little guys. And it's, it's unfortunate, um, but I think we, I think we will get through it and, and I'll tell you how in a minute. But first, we are sponsored this week by Revenue Cat. Use RevenueCat to power your app's in-app purchases. This will solve for edge cases you don't even know you have, and it will protect you from outages that your team hasn't seen yet. Plus, it saves you time on future maintenance and features released by the app stores. 
Revenue Cat empowers your product and marketing teams with clean and reliable in-app purchase data so they can make better decisions to help your app grow. Revenue Cat handles all the headaches of building in-app purchase infrastructure, and believe me, I've built it. There are headaches. <laughs> so you can get back to building your app. With support for iOS, macOS, Android, and Stripe, Revenue Cat makes it easy to verify subscription status across multiple platforms with the tools you need to quickly get set up and manage any in-app purchase model from a simple to-do list app to complex cross-platform subscriptions. They have SDKs for iOS, iPad, watchOS, Android, React Native, Flutter, Cordova, Unity, and macOS Catalyst. And Revenue Cat has a free tier for side projects. Great for indies out there. It's free until you ship, even for the biggest apps. So you can spend time building your app, not a subscription backend. You've actually used this before right yes so i use revenue cat for all of my subscription management so in you know widget smith and watchsmith and i gotta say it, it it does exactly what it says on the tin it works great and i mean when when last year widget smith had its giant sort of grow, grow, moment in the sun and you know sort of subscriptions were much higher than i was expecting it's like revenue cat scaled with it perfectly it, they handled it per, you know i never had any issues and it was the best thing i can say is that it's like it just does exactly what it says and like they say it lets me focus on um you know the actual coding and the user facing features so i sort of can't, can't recommend it enough from my own personal experience yeah i don't know anybody who's excited to build this stuff themselves so this no. is <laughs> this is definitely great you can relieve all your subscription worries by going to revenuecat.com to get started for free that's revenuecat.com to get started for free. Our thanks to Revenue Cat for supporting our show and all of Relay FM. So I wonder, like, my strategy for avoiding, I mean, so ad tracking transparency doesn't really affect me because I, I do all my own in-house ads and there's no tracking anywhere. And so that doesn't affect me at all. Um, although I recognize that's a special case and that many apps are affected by this, including yours. Um, the podcast changes. So far, it's not that big of a deal. So far, it's, you know, a, a very small percentage of Apple Podcasts queries have resulted in a missing feed URL where people have removed their feed URL from this API. Um, I, I have currently, for the last day, I have it at 0.1% of queries have a missing feed URL. So, so far, it's not that bad, but it could become bad if a lot of, you know, big company shows do this. And... What this has taught me to do is, you know what, it was it was not wise to rely on Apple's benevolence for all this time. Because Apple has Apple has been a wonderful benevolent steward of the open world of podcasting for a while. Like a you know, like a sleeping giant. Unfortunately, the giant woke up and it's hungry. And it's the giant of services revenue, or yeah. at least potential services revenue. And this is an area of Apple where we can no longer trust them to do things that aren't really slimy blatantly for money because they keep doing it uh, over and over again. Like they, they keep selling out their user experiences, their, their kind of incentive cleanliness and things all in the name of services revenue. And that's just going to keep happening. So I think it's smart for us as indies to plan for that, to assume that these big companies are going to keep hitting each other and it's going to it's going to occasionally hit us and to try as much as possible which I know is hard but to try as much as possible to keep a bit of distance so you know for me I I'm not going to launch my own paid program even even if the in-app purchase stuff was solved which it isn't uh, and even if I was allowed to compete on a level playing field with Apple which nobody is um which again I have a lot to say on that topic we'll save that but 
even if I could do that, I don't want to have to run this giant payment program and and make deals with every single podcaster individually and everything. I'm also prohibited by in-app purchase policy from integrating anybody else's system. I can't do that. If somebody makes like, you know, like, like there's a couple of like, you know, Bitcoin based things going around. If somebody makes a podcast system where people can pay each other, I probably can't integrate it in my app because Apple will probably reject it for not using their in-app purchase system. And I probably can't use their in-app purchase system because of the rates and everything else. And that would wreck the whole system. So I'm just not going to do this for now. And I'm, I'm not going to have any kind of competing offering. And I'm going to have to recognize like, okay, well, I just have the app full of free podcasts. And that's not a bad place to be. Most podcasts will continue to be free or will do their own payment system that I am compatible with where they just, you know, they give you like a private URL that you can subscribe to. Like I'm, I'm fully compatible with that and there are ways that I can make that even better. Uh, and so I'm going to focus on that kind of thing and being, being the place for free podcasts and, and the open world of podcasting. And I'm going to reduce and maybe someday eliminate, but at least for now, reduce my dependence on Apple's directory and really focus on the things I can do because ultimately all that other stuff is not within my power and it never will be. And so it's not worth wasting a lot of time on. Yeah. And I think there's such an element of, it's like the two things that come to mind for how to sort of think about these sort of large, big business to business conflicts and how they impact us. Like the two words that come to mind for me are acceptance and diversity. And it's like at the first level, it is just accepting that this is the case and that it isn't a situation where it's like wishing that it were, was a different way or being like, well, it was like this in the past and now it's different and kind of getting stuck on that I think would be an easy – um, an, an easy sort of rut to get stuck into that it's like why well, you know you, you just want the easy version or the version that it was before um, and you do not have to to work at it but at a certain point I think it's just I've and this is you know talking to myself is I just have to accept that this is the reality and there may have been a world where in the past like for app tracking transparency if it reduces the sort of the income that I can get from advertising in my applications, which, which by the way, it's like I'm not implementing uh, ATT in any of my apps. And so all of my apps were essentially transitioning to being untracked, which is a, a decision that I'm delighted and happy to do, but I know will have you know a financial cost uh, associated with it. But it's like, that's just the reality of the circumstance I find myself in, and I can just accept that. And I'm, I feel good about it in some ways, and I feel better that I have the ability to kind of influence the ads that are shown in my app in a better way now, that I can just ex- sort of buy inaction in some ways by not showing the, the ATT prompt. You know, my, my users are having, presumably and hopefully, having you know, a slightly more private experience um, online, which is great. And I think the other side is just diversity. And it makes it just sort of is that sense of that being too reliant on any one thing um, in terms of in the ATT case, it's a revenue model. Or um, in the case of the podcast thing, it reminds me of just about in general with APIs or sort of third party things that we're reliant on. It could be a library, it could be um, an API, it could be anything that it's like being too reliant or too sort of bought into one thing um, necessarily creates a circumstance where you can have difficulty like this and you can be it can be you know sort of the degree to which you are stuck into one particular thing is the degree to which um you you know you will be in sort of discomfort if that whatever it is that you're sort of locked into um turns in a way that you don't like or doesn't benefit you um and so it's like i feel very glad and i'm that you know over the last couple of years i've been trying to 
get you know, sort of diversify my income away from advertising. Um, and now I have a meaningful amount of my income coming from things like the subscriptions that I have in Widgetsmith and Watchsmith. And it's, you know, before that, it's like my advertising was the main thing of that was my business. It was like probably 90, 95% of my revenue was coming from advertising. And so if, you know, there's a sudden 30%, 40% drop in that, then that's a pretty profound impact. Whereas now, on an overall basis, it'll be, you know, more muted. It'll be something that I can um, sort of accommodate more specifically. Um, and the thing that's, I think, too, that goes along with a bit of acceptance is when I think about Apple making their moves, and that, well, I can sort of have kind of just sort of like emotional or personal opinions about is it the right thing, is it the wrong thing? I very much understand why they're doing what they're doing. And it's nice in some ways to have some clarity about that, that it's very much, it's like the old thing of, you know, Apple's priority, it's, it's like it's Apple first, then it's customers, and then it's developers in, in that order. And in some ways, that's a bit of a slam, is, or at least that's the way it's often used, is that it's like, oh, you know, Apple doesn't care about developers, um, that Apple cares about itself. And it's like, well, but if they didn't, if Apple cared about developers more than they cared about themselves or their customers, um, would lead to a circumstance that would likely not be as good in the long run. That many of the th- situations that if Apple is not defensive um, and does not t- sort of put its interests and its platform ahead, so sort of if, if it isn't a good steward of that, it could end up in places where it loses control. It loses the ability to affect the change it wants. It is bending over too sort of too much to accommodate things, and ultimately the platform. Would, would suffer. And I think it's a reasonable thing for a company to want, you know, it's like Apple's interest is Apple. It's like, it, it, it does not exist as a, a charitable organization. It does not, like this nonprofit that exists, um, it can have principles and it, it's reasonable, I think, for us to hold it. It's, it, you know, sort of the organization to its own principles. Um, but it is certainly something that goes along with that acceptance that it's like, they're, they're, they're all, it makes sense for them to work in their own, in their own self-interest. And the best, the best I can sort of diversify myself to sort of soften the blow of that or potentially to align myself with their interests um, is going to put me in a better place than trying to do something that is going to be, you know, sort of antagonistic or sort of a st- be being in, in, in being in that conflict. Like the last thing I want to do is to get into a fight with Apple. Um, that's just, that doesn't make sense to me. I'd, I'd rather just be my little minnow swimming along in the ocean. And sometimes these big waves will, you know, sort of knock me around when they're having their fights with these big companies. But it's like, I'll just do my best to just keep swimming, um, and hope for the best. And hopefully I have enough diverse, diversity that I can sort of weather it and enough flexibility that I can just accept it when it happens and, you know, just roll with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we have much of a choice because, like, like I also don't want to get into a big fight with Apple because, frankly, that's a full time job. Like, you, sure. you need the like you need to be a, a bigger established operation and basically devote you know hire some lawyers and basically devote yourself to like sticking a finger in Apple's side or you know presenting yourself at, at all these like congressional or court hearings. Like, that's that's a huge job, and I have no interest in that world. I want to make apps and I, I want to, you know, do my thing over here. And I, and I also don't think there's anything wrong with the strategy of avoidance. You know, like when, when I decided to make a podcast app, whatever it was, seven years ago, <laughs> it's yeah. a long time now, but you know, at that time, this was pre serial podcasts were a pretty good business, but they weren't like a mainstream massive thing yet. They, it was nowhere near like as, as hot as they are now. I don't know if I would have jumped into it if I was starting today. 
like I, I think I think right now, like I have a natural tendency to go to areas that are underserved because frankly, I don't like like heated competition and I don't like entering super hot markets where a lot of big companies and VC people are throwing a bunch of big money around. I'd rather take a step back and kind of do my own thing over here in like a smaller pond. And when I started making a podcast app, that was a smaller pond. It no longer is, <laughs> but, and I have no intention of leaving this business, but like, I, I think there's nothing wrong with taking that strategy of like going where there's not a bunch of turbulence from big companies and big money, because that's, that's a that's just you're playing with fire at that point and if you if you thrive on that kind of thing great but i really don't and it's worth kind of knowing yourself in that area like knowing whether you want that level of of heat and turbulence and competition or whether you're much happier kind of you know flying <laughs> under the radar yeah exactly and i think that's a great point is and i think that is the so often is like it's, it's the benefit of be, it's like that's the benefit of being an indie i think in a lot of ways and it's like turning it around in the sense of if you were trying to be a venture-backed company you need to be in the area that has that like is 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 the next big thing right that that that's what you're aiming for if you're in that market if that's what you're going for and it's like in some ways what i love is that the indie is like the the best place for you to be is not the next best best thing is to be the thing that is solid and reasonable and interesting and compelling and intellectually stimulating but is just going to be a nice comfortable like interesting space to explore and work on um, that is unlikely to be full of conflicts and turmoil that you can just merrily make a nice living doing the thing that you enjoy um, and then hopefully just sort of stay out of the way yeah and it, it can be tricky to find an area that is calm but not dead <laughs> sure but i'd much rather roll that roll that die i guess <laughs> my metaphors are yeah. falling apart here but I, sure. i'd much rather try to find that kind of thing than jump into the the big turbulent wave pool and and get my butt kicked exactly thank you for listening everybody and we'll talk to you in two weeks bye